Our next reading this morning is going to come from the book of James. We'll be reading James chapter 1. We're going to spend some time the next two weeks in James, in chapter 1 specifically. But today we're going to read James 1, verses 2 through 4. Reading from James 1, 2 through 4. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance will have its full effect, that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the joys uh, when Holly and I uh, lived in outside the Cleveland, Mississippi area for very early in our ministry. Uh, Cleveland is a, is a little little jewel in Mississippi that not a lot of folks know about. We just love that town. One of the joys of that community was the Bologna Performing Arts Center. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Bologna Performing Arts Center, but it's this wonderful performing arts center smack dab in the middle of Delta, like just right in the middle of almost cotton fields. And I'm, y'all know I love music, but I'm not good at it. What I've been told is that the acoustics in this building are some of the highest class acoustics you're ever going to find in the United States. And it was not at all uncommon to have these traveling orchestras or, 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 or Broadway shows that would be traveling from Memphis to New Orleans, stop in Cleveland, and they would perform in Cleveland. And I was told one of the reasons why they liked to perform in Cleveland was because the acoustics in the center were so good that they just wanted to experience it. I, we had, I think we had the, 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 so many symphonies come through there in my time. It was a real, real neat little thing. And so Holly and I, we went to a lot of concerts when we were young. You know, this is back, this is back when we were young before we had kids. You know, we were able to go and do stuff. And so we... Um, you know, now that, now that the kids, I, lo- I, lo- I love you, Thomas, but now that the kids are almost out of the house, you know, we can start having fun again. No, no offense. We've had a lot of fun with you, too, but, you know, T- Tim just booed me for saying that, Thomas, so you have, he's supporting you. Um, but um, we had, there was this group that came through years ago, a little bluegrass group called Nickel Creek. Um, if you like bluegrass, you may have heard of them. Uh, ju- they were young, they were innovative, they were fun. And we, we, we heard them perform years ago, and we just fell in love with them. They, they are just my favorite band in the entire world. Just love them. And uh, we saw them, they were just getting started, and just, just fell in love with their music and their energy and their lyrics and all that. So I've kept it with them through the years, and they have reunited after taking a sabbatical. And they performed, uh, they had a concert scheduled in Birmingham. Um, a few months back. And so I, 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 when I saw on the schedule, I called Holly. I said, Nickel Creek's performing in Birmingham. I'm going. You're welcome to come if you would like. You know? So we said, sure. We bought tickets. We were going we to go over there and make a day of it and all that. Well, we got to Tuscaloosa and got an email from the venue. The lead singer is sick. So we're postponing the concert. So we stopped in Tuscaloosa and ate the most mediocre Mexican food I've ever had in my entire life. Drove all the way to Tuscaloosa to eat something just very mediocre. Came back home. They rescheduled it, and we finally got to see them a few months back. It, was just, it actually worked out better. Memorial Day, we were able to make a whole day of it, the whole nine yards. But they sang the song at the concert that I love. That's just become one of my favorite songs that they've ever sung. And it really reminded me of our text today. The name of the song, it's entitled, Failure Isn't Forever. And it's the whole song about failure and how we fail. And the chorus says, failure isn't forever. 
as long as we keep learning how to get better. I don't like that. He doesn't say failure doesn't happen. Failure happens. If you've ever attempted anything or tried anything or just lived your life in any capacity, you're going to find that failure is just sometimes part of the living equation. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to fail at something. We all fail at something. So I love that notion that failure isn't forever as long as you keep wondering how to get better. That reminded me so much of our text today. So every time I read that text as I was preparing for the sermon, I just heard that song going through in my head. Because James, the book of James is a wonderful book. It, it might be my favorite book in all the Bible. Just a wonderful book. So I'm looking forward to spending some time the next couple of weeks in here. But James today says this. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you... Endure or encounter suffering. That's a hard thing to hear. To count it joy, to count it as a good thing when you endure or have suffering. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of suffering. I'm more of a fan of comfort. You know, I don't want to suffer. I don't like suffering. I don't want to go through difficult times. None of us. If we're going to be honest, if we're going to be honest, none of us want to go through difficult times, just like none of us want to fail. We don't want to. However, if you live life for any length of time, you're going to fail at something. Likewise, if you live life for any length of time, you're going to encounter suffering. And that suffering will look different for all of us. That's one of the things I've learned in ministry. It's not up for me to, or for you even, to grade the level of suffering. Because how many of us have said, yes, what I've gone through is difficult, but they, whoever they are, have it worse than me? And that is a good perspective to say, yes, things are hard. There is suffering, but look at what so-and-so's gone through. I mean, that's a good way to keep perspective. You know, I've got a friend of mine, uh, he, he's been here before to St. Matthews to speak. He's a double amputee, lost both his legs when he was a young man in a car accident. One of the strongest individuals I've ever met in my entire life. So, so many times in my life, when I've gone through something hard, I'll say, yeah, this is hard, but Lonnie's had it worse than me. You know, you always have that, that and that's proper and good to give yourself a sense of perspective. But the one thing we don't want to do when we do that is to minimize our suffering. It's to say, well, my suffering is not worth acknowledging because... He has it worse than me, or they have it worse than me. Because what happens is if we don't acknowledge the suffering we go through, the struggles we go through, we can never truly learn from them. We can never truly grow from them. We can never truly experience them. Because honestly, who of us has ever suffered worse than Jesus? As Laura said in our children's moment today, he lived a difficult life. None of us have suffered as bad as Jesus. That does not invalidate our suffering. And that does not mean that our suffering doesn't matter. And that does not mean that, our, that God does not bend his ear to hear our prayers when we suffer. We do suffer, y'all. And being a Christian is not always a protective hedge against it. James is writing to Christians. That's one of the most realistic things about James' letter here. James, the book of James is not a book of evangelism. James is not trying to convert lost folk to becoming Christians. 
James is writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. And he's saying to these believers, count it all joy when you suffer. But I think what's important for us to hear is what James is saying. It's that James is not saying that the suffering itself is good. He doesn't say, yeah, suffering's great. Way to go. Let's suffer. It's going to be terrible. It's awesome. You know? No, he doesn't say that. But what does he say? He says, count it nothing, consider it nothing but joy. Why? Because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. James is not saying this morning that suffering itself is a good thing. What James is saying is that suffering, if we allow it through God's grace, produces a good thing. Suffering is not good, fun, or pleasant, but suffering can be a pathway to where our faith can grow, our faith can develop, and our faith can become more strong. What does he say here? He says, for your suffering, your trials produce maturity. And wholeness. Now, maturity is a loaded word. You know, I don't know if I would consider myself all that mature, so maybe we don't want to talk too much about maturity. But I love the word wholeness. Wholeness is such a beautiful and biblical word. When you look in the Gospels, and when Jesus talks of salvation, when he talks of becoming a follower of his, the word that is often used for salvation in the, God, in the Gospels especially, but throughout the New Testament, the word for salvation can actually be as translated as well as wholeness. Jesus come to save us, yes, but his gift of salvation is something that makes us whole. Well, you know what something is before it's whole? It's incomplete. It's broken. It's not as it should be. So Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to make us whole. Jesus came to restore in our life that which is broken. He came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what the Bible tells us. He came to restore the brokenness in our life, the brokenness in our family's life, the brokenness in the world. He comes to heal. He comes to make whole. He comes to save. And so James tells us this morning, count it joy when you endure suffering because suffering will bring forth maturity and it will bring forth wholeness. Our suffering brings forth wholeness. Our suffering, if we allow through God's grace, makes us complete. One of the powerful moments in our faith journey is when we have a crisis of faith. No, a crisis of faith, let's be very clear, is not fun. A crisis of faith is hard. That's why it's called a crisis. A crisis of faith is difficult. A crisis of faith is challenging. And for many, when they go through a crisis of faith, they will walk away from the faith. 
We all know folks like that, don't we? We may have friends or family members, coworkers, who've gone through a difficult season in their life and they've walked away from the faith. Or maybe these loved ones, they have had someone they love, a pastor, a friend, a mentor, have a failing in some point, and they say, well, if that's what the leaders do, then I'm, I'm out. Or maybe they have had illness ravage themselves or a loved one and, and found themselves helpless in that. Or maybe they look across the world and see so much suffering and pain in the world and struggle with it. Crisis of faith are, are just that. They're challenging. They're hard. They test us. They test our faith. They test our belief. They test our courage. C.S. Lewis says, courage is the virtue by which all other virtues are measured. Because it's courage that allows us to live out the other virtues in our life. When we encounter these crises of faith, it can be shattering. It can be hard. It can be awful. One of the crisis of faith I lived through as a pastor happened not too long ago in the, few, in, the, in the past. Many of you know my story about how my biological father murdered my mother. And about 10 years ago, I was serving in Pedal, and somehow he found my address, my biological father. And this is a man who I thought I had put to bed the crisis of faith of my mother's murder. I thought I'd processed it. I thought I'd lived through it. And I thought I'd put it to bed. I was good. I'd moved on. And yet when he wrote me and I saw he knew where I was and saw these things, I felt such rage fill my heart. Such darkness that it scared me. It scared me. I said, how can I be a preacher, much less a Christian, if I feel this manner of hatred in my heart right now? I can't be it. No Christian can feel like I feel right now. It's not possible. It was a crisis of faith for me where I had to consider, do I really believe this stuff? Do I really believe what I've been preaching for 15 years? Do I really believe what I've been taught and what I've been modeled and that St. John, John of the Cross wrote a great book called The Dark Night of the Soul. As I endured that dark night of the soul where I had to really wrestle with my anger and my lack of forgiveness, with my hurt that I thought I had dealt with, but I'd actually just pushed down, that erupted it. And I had this moment where I had to look the effect of anger in the face and wrestle with it. And it would hurt. And it left some scars. But my faith emerged. Not unscathed. And not joyously. But it emerged. What James says here. More mature. And more whole. More grounded. Not in my own rightness. More grounded, not in my own certainty, 
more grounded not in my own ability, but more grounded in the overwhelming, all-consuming, amazing love, mercy, and forgiveness of my Father, of my Heavenly Father. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, we endure suffering because suffering produces wholeness. Count your blessings, name them one by one. I doubt many of us, when we start counting our blessings, are going to name suffering, are we? We're not going to name cancer or death or illness or anger or sin or hatred. We're not going to name those as our blessings. Are we going to name the good stuff, our children, our families, our jobs, our communities, our church? But if we look in our life, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's when we have that crisis of faith. It's when we have that moment of trial. It's when we have that moment of suffering that our faith is tested. It's in those moments that our faith becomes real. It's in those moments when our faith digs in roots. It's those moments when our, when our faith in Christ is truly anchored to the goodness of God. That does not mean our suffering is good. And that does not mean that God even causes our suffering because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world of sin and death. But it does mean that God can use anything we go through in our life, even our suffering. And if we allow it, y'all, through God's grace, our suffering can produce something beautiful because it can make us whole. It can produce a wholehearted faith. Our suffering, if we allow through God's grace, can be a blessing that draws us closer to God when we understand that our life is not so much about us holding on to God, but our life is about understanding it is God who is holding on to us. Our life is not so much lived in an effort to make God love us, but our life is lived in the understanding that God does love us. Our suffering shows us that even in the dark moments, even in the moments of trial, and in the moments of hurt, when we want to walk away from God, God refuses to walk away from us. When we want to give up on God, God refuses to give up on us. When we feel overwhelmed with sadness and hurt, God's grace desires to overwhelm us with peace and mercy. So even our friends, y'all, that have encountered suffering and may have walked away from the faith I've not given up on them. You should not give up on them because God has not given up on them. Suffering shows us not that it's good, but it draws us closer to God. And likewise, it draws us closer to each other. It draws us closer to each other. It draws us closer to those we love. Some of y'all may remember the uh, sports writer. I think he still writes for... Major League Baseball, but uh, Peter Gammons, I don't know if any of y'all remember Peter Gammons, he was a big baseball guy on ESPN, I always liked what he had to say, he was always smart, and Peter Gammons, when he worked for ESPN a few years back, had a major stroke, like he was basically dead, like he almost died, and miraculously, he survived the stroke and came back and worked for ESPN for a bit before he moved on to something else, and I'm, I read an interview with him one day about what he learned from the stroke and the suffering that it produced. He said, uh, he said it was interesting. 
Going through something like this is almost like going to your own funeral. You get to hear what everybody really thinks about you. Sometimes the only good thing to come out of suffering is we see who's on our side. We see who's there for us. And we see who we can truly count on. Suffering in many ways is that refiner's fire that shows us who is bound close to us and who we are bound close to. Suffering is not good, y'all. Let me be very clear. Suffering's not good. But count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when we endure suffering because it produces a whole faith for us. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. Even sometimes the blessing of suffering because God produces something beautiful in us through that. I was talking recently with my friend Steve Castile about some stuff I've learned and I'm learning. And I was beating myself up over something I'd done wrong in the past, mistake I'd made in leadership. And he said this, he said, Andy, you can't beat yourself up over that because you were not then the person that you are now. He said, going through that shaped you and made you. And as much as you may have regret for how that went down and how you handled that, that event shaped you to become the pastor and the person that you are now. Suffering may leave a mark. It may leave a scar. It may even, like Jacob in the New Old Testament, leave us walking with a limp. But count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you endure it. Because it changes your faith. It makes it whole. And it binds you closer to God and closer to Jesus. So as we approach Thanksgiving, as we think of all that we are thankful for, through God's grace, may we find that even when we endure suffering, God's grace abounds in our lives. Failure isn't forever, friends, as long as we keep wondering how to get better. Let's keep getting better every day. Let's pray.